0: Welcome everyone again to the Money Mentors podcast. My name is Glenn Fairburn and I welcome my co-host Nathan Lear. Um, Nathan, last night, well both of us were fortunate enough to attend the semi-final of the Australian Open between Federer and Djokovic. Um, arguably, I suppose, two of the greatest players to ever play and Federer, no doubt, will, be, will go down as one of the best. Um, it's interesting, as, as a bit of a segue into the financial side of things quite often people i mean we, we've probably had discussions about it you know why why does he continue playing you know he's got more than enough money to live the life potentially that he wants to live but i suppose from from his perspective it's money's not the motivation anymore is it
1: yeah no i think well past that being the motivator you'd probably have enough money uh, to live a few lifetimes over but yeah i think he just got that he's got that desire to be the best he can and while he can play it at, at elite level so yeah, it was pretty pretty special to to witness him firsthand last night. Although he he lost to um to Djokovic, who's in his own right um, an exceptional player. I suppose
0: when you get to that level, it does. Do you think it comes down to a lot about legacy, like what legacy you're leaving behind? Is it more about um, achievement? Do Do you think whether it's tennis or any other sport, a lot of these elite sportsmen, as we're saying, it's not about the monetary return anymore, isn't it? It's about what, what mm-hmm. legacy am I leaving behind and, and yeah. what goals am I chasing, isn't it?
1: I think a bit of all that. And I think a lot of these top-level athletes are such competitive beasts. Yeah. Like, they just yeah. want to get the most out of themselves for as long as they can. And you, you look at the even you know, Rafa Nadal uh, and Djokovic. I mean, they're all they're all in, into their 30s now and they're just so competitive. That it's it's all almost like a best. drug, isn't it? Mm.
0: And I suppose in a lot of ways... From if you move from sport into business, even you know when, when we look at the you know the the rich lists of the world, and you see you know the Bill Gates, the the Bezoses, and and even someone that we discuss a fair bit on this podcast, and 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 turn to Warren Buffett. I mean, they've all got more than enough money to do the things that they want to do in life, but just continue working on, don't they? So it's not about the money for them. Mm. Um, but having said that what they have is what a lot of people are striving for, isn't it? Which is the the choice as to whether they continue, whether it's working, uh, whether it's in sport, or whether it's in business. It's being in a financial position where you have the choice as to whether you want to continue or not. And for a lot of people, that's the holy grail, isn't it? Um, I mean, we, we talk to our clients about it, and a lot of people, you know, f- as far as retirement goes, I'm probably seeing it more and more in the last five or so years in particular where retirement isn't really something where people stop working anymore, is it? It's not like, you know, age 65, pull up stumps and, and never work again. It seems to be very much a transition, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah. Look, a lot of people ha- have that that target to, to reach a goal or as we speak about a fair bit on this podcast, financial independence, y- you wonder just how many people that achieve it when they get there, they might say, well, you know what? I thought that maybe I wouldn't want to work if I got there, but actually... I, I like what I do, or I want to do something else, or I want to keep working. Yeah. Especially the earlier you get there, if you get there and you're say younger, whatever age that might be, you might still want to work for many, many years.
0: And as the saying goes, you know, if you enjoy what you're doing, you don't it's work not, a day in your work, life. Yeah, yeah like you, it becomes more of a, a, a vocation, doesn't it? And, and that's sort of a bit of a segue into what I was keen to chat about today. I, I mentioned Warren Buffett earlier as someone that we sort of look up to in the investment world, someone who's a you know, self-made billionaire, um, pretty much from the ground up a, as, a, as, a, as a young person built his company, which is renowned as one of the most successful investment companies um, throughout history. Um, so what, what I was keen to have a chat about was, I suppose, his rules or, or his, um, the things that he's done to reach financial independence. Um, so I just wanted to go through some of those, all those three main rules and just have a bit of a discussion and maybe just um, ask you a few questions about it. Um, rule number one for him was, was basically save your money. Um, so he, he'd always had a... I suppose Buffett's renowned for not, not spending a lot and has always had a bit of a knack for saving. And he, even as a, as a young child, he used to sell um, juicy fruit gum packets and then he moved into selling Coca-Cola. And then over the years as his business grew... Um, he just continued to work. He sold newspapers. Um, always had a tendency to be a, a really good saver, and by, by the age of um, sixteen, he'd already accumulated you know twenty five thousand dollars. So he was always someone who probably focused more on the savings avenue as opposed to what he was earning and, and what he was spending. And and I suppose that's that's something that becomes important, in particular, as you start working and earning money. There's that tendency, isn't there? That as you earn more money, you just spend more money and you keep pushing out your lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Um, But savings, I suppose, or saving money in particular, is probably, well, in his views, the number one rule.
1: Mm. Oh, I mean, I love his messages because they're they're so simple, easy to understand, relatable. Um, We've spoken about on this podcast before, spend less than you earn, which is effectively saving money. Because uh, a lot of people in this world, we come across them all the time, they, they tend to, to spend more than they earn. Um, so it's such a valuable message, isn't it?
0: But also, I think people do it in reverse, don't they? They tend to save whatever's left over. Like they might earn a set level of salary, live day to day, and then whatever's left, they say, okay, what, that, that's the amount that's left, I'll save that. But quite often, a more effective strategy can be actually having a goal and saying, well, this is how much I want over this period of time or I want to repay my mortgage over this period of time, what do I need to set aside in order to do that and then live off the rest? Do you reckon people, do you find that as well, that people do it the opposite way as to how they perhaps should do it?
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely. Th- those that don't have a plan, um, that's probably what they're going to do. Whatever is left over is what they'll save. And as I said before, a lot of people will have negative savings in, in the, in the consumer fueled lifestyles that people are living.
0: How do you think that people can avoid, you know, as they start earning a little bit more money, avoid having their lifestyle pushed out? Do you reckon that's just the human instinct where we just crave more, demand more, and want to consume more?
1: I mean, definitely there's a bit of that. Everyone's different, but um, I'm sure there's a bit of that out there. I think just having a plan, having a plan to work towards, and then the plan will tell you what you need to save.
0: Yeah, and I suppose that we're not, we would never advocate going to the extreme where you don't live a life, it's about getting the right balance but that's where as you were saying having a plan but also having p- pretty clear objectives. So at least then as you progress through life, you can see that you've actually achieved something as opposed to most people just living day by day, you know, ch- paycheck by paycheck and not having anything to show for it in the end and, and that's one of the reasons I suppose why credit card debts continue to balloon out, isn't it? I mean people are, as you were saying, spending more than they're earning uh, but not having a clear plan as to where they actually want to go. Mm. Um, and I suppose once you've, once you're saving, the question is, what do you do with it? Because if you, if you save money, but then you're not investing it, um, it's not going to be a very effective use of that capital. So for, for Buffett rule number two, well, he says compound, which in very simplistic terms means just invest, doesn't it?
1: Yeah. Or, or invest, yeah. Invest the difference. So whatever you can save, you know, you, you earn a hundred, you're saving 20 of that, you're spending 80. So the twenties, your savings, invest it.
0: And the reason he says invest is is really through in his oh, in his words the, the the power of compounding, isn't it? Which is one of the wonders of the eighth wonder of the world that he says this is the power of pure compounding, and then investing those funds over a long period of time it can be very powerful. Um, and, and that's where I mean, what, one of the things that I think we've spoken about on this podcast before, um, just to purely illustrate the. The effectiveness of compounding is is the rule of 72 which which basically just enables you to calculate the amount of time it takes to double your money um, so what the rule of 72 means is that if you want to double your money in 10 years then it will take you that you need a return of 7.2 percent if you want to double your money in seven years you need a return of 10% so basically all you need to do is, in order to calculate what return you need to double your money over a period of time, it's just the, the number of years divided by 72 and that, that enables you to determine what rate of return. But what that, I suppose, shows and highlights is that just that power of compounding, isn't it? Like earning mm. an amount on your returns or on your earnings.
1: Mm. Yeah, and it, look, it'd be nice to get uh, uh, you know 20% compounder returns like Warren Buffett can achieve, um, which is the best of the best almost. Not many people are getting returns like that, but... Off more modest, let's say, returns of seven odd percent, you know, you can double your money in ten years. And yeah, by just
0: reinvesting the earnings, isn't it? That, that, that's where the power of compounding is: is that you start with an amount. At the end of the year, you've got what you started with plus the earnings. By reinvesting in that, or by reinvesting that amount, you just get a larger asset base, which is then sort of feeding on itself, isn't it? it becomes a, a more powerful asset base. Um, is there anything else you wanted to talk about with compounding no that's all good and his, his last rule um, which is probably one of the main rules of, of investing I suppose is is don't lose money sounds sounds a, like a pretty simplistic view but do you think what, what do you think it means by that in, in don't lose money
1: yeah I mean he's that well that's his investing rule number one isn't it don't, don't lose money and rule number two is don't forget, don't forget rule number, number one, one. <laughs> um, which is pretty funny but um, just, I, I look just invest in quality assets and do do your research. Um, I mean, he he's you know if you read a lot of his content and, and books and whatnot, obviously he, he he does a lot of research into the into the companies he, he buys. So um, if you understand a company, what they do, how they operate, um, his view is you're probably uh, more likely to make a lot more money out of that business if you know what they do. So
0: and also it's it's important to separate investing from speculating. Hmm. Because I think a lot of people um, get get confused with those two terms, don't they? And when they're if they're talking about share investment, sometimes you'll talk to someone and you'll say, "Oh, have you invested? In oh, yeah, I've invested in shares. It didn't go very well." But they weren't actually investing. They might have been given a you know a stock tip by a friend or, or heard a rumor, and they, and they want that short term return. And that's not what we're really talking about here. Whether it's got to do with compounding or not losing money, it's it's distinguishing between investing, which as you were saying is identifying a good quality asset, whether that's shares, property, fixed interest, um, and then taking a long-term view. So it's not trying to make a quick return by you know, an up-and-coming stock or a cryptocurrency or something that that's highly speculative. So, um, yeah, once again, it, it's it's distinguishing between investing, which is more of a long-term game, versus speculating, which is very much about short-term returns. Um, so th- they're, I suppose, the three rules that he... Um, preachers um, so as, as I said earlier saving which we had a bit of a chat about investing or compounding and then not losing money are there any like from our perspective when we're talking to clients about achieving that goal of financial independence we, we sort of alluded to or had a brief discussion about the importance of, of setting goals Do you reckon there's anything else that is important for people to put in place or consider when they're sort of trying to strive towards or have that long-term goal of financial independence?
1: I mean, you just said it there, like have a have a, have a goal, have a plan. Um, we spoke about throughout this podcast work, working backwards. So, you know, throughout that, if, if you set a plan for X amount of years away, you, you know kind of what you need to set aside each pay period or whenever you get paid to, to help you achieve that goal. I think that's a pretty key, me- that's a key message.
0: I also think that accountability can be helpful as well whether that's a friend, family member or, more, or even even better an advisor that you have, you, that helps you set out that strategy or set out that plan that you can then commit to but then that person can actually hold you accountable um, whether it's through frequent review meetings, you know, six monthly, quarterly, annually, just to sort of check in and, and, and I suppose make sure that you are on track but also assist you along the way as your situation changes. Um, I mean I personally find that having that accountability really helps or even just writing down the goals and, and looking at them on a sort of semi-frequent basis so that you're, you're continually reminded about what you're trying to achieve. Because I think a lot of people go day by day and they can lose sight of their objectives and maybe fall away from what they're trying to achieve. Would you agree with
1: that? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely, 100%, Glenn. And I was just going to mention a lot of these messages um, are consistent you know, across some of the great uh, what would you call it? Financial contributors uh, uh, over the years, and yeah. I, I was just thinking back to the the podcast that we did on the um, on the book, "The Richest Man in Babylon." Is that how you yeah. said it right? Yeah. yeah. And um, I forgot the episode number. I was just trying to trying to find it, but um, where you know cut some of these key messages in terms of spend less than you earn, invest. Uh, I mean, there's seek advice. Seek advice. You know, protect or insurance.
0: Invest in yourself. Yeah, insurance. I think's a. A really important one and then investing in yourself isn't it to help you progress through life and because and the more you can earn the more you can save
1: yeah so so look a lot of these key messages are you know are consistent um so we've probably mentioned these some of these themes quite a lot throughout our, our podcast haven't we glenn
0: yeah and i think this time of the year it's always timely beginning of the year people are trying to whether they set out their goals but it's all good and well writing down goals but if you don't have a plan you know as, as the saying goes failing to plan is like planning to fail so i think Having a plan, but then also setting out a strategy, um, sticking through, hopefully sticking to some of the rules that we've we've spoken about, and, and seeking advice along the way, in particular when it becomes well, when it comes to the investment side of things, that as you start accumulating more funds, as you perhaps have a longer term time frame to invest, I think it is prudent to get advice because you know the investment world is pretty complicated, and and as your situation changes, you're, it may become a little bit more sophisticated. Um, and with from an investing perspective, taxation can be a bit of an issue as well. So it's important to get tax advice.
1: Yep, yep. Um, an episode I just found it episode eighteen. Um, we we did seven tips to financial success. We we go through those seven of those principles. So that's always a, a good one to listen to as a bit of a refresher as yep, well.
0: Absolutely. Mm. All right, then Nathan. Well, we might wrap it up there. Look, I hope everyone enjoyed the podcast. As we said, just to repeat what those three rules are according to. Uh, Warren Buffett, it's saved. So basically, spend less than what you earn. Compound, so in simple terms, investing those funds and then not lose money. So don't speculate and take that long-term view. Um, so we look forward to speaking to you all again next week.
1: Thanks, everybody, for listening again to another episode of the Money Mentors podcast. Um, if you enjoy the the content, please do subscribe to the podcast. Um, via um, any good podcasting app Um, once again please check out our major sponsors website hewison private wealth Um, so just just search for hewison private wealth online also check out hewison private wealth's um, social media channels facebook linkedin or twitter Um, thanks again we'll see you next week.